Hello, welcome back to the West Bank Bible Church podcast. I'm Dave, and I'm here with my sidekick and superstar, Pastor L.G. Merritt. Um, I got that upbeat watching the World Series, and I have to say it, go Astros. Uh, But before we begin uh, with our study of the doctrine of human good versus divine good, and I encourage you uh, to follow along in the outline because there's some uh, graphical uh, data there that you can uh, follow along with as well. Uh, but again, before we begin, let's remember 1 John 1 9 as may or may not be necessary. Father, we're grateful for the privilege of being able to use 1 John 1 9 and thus be filled with the Spirit, and thus taught by the Spirit. So help us to be ever mindful to mind our P's and Q's, if you will, and name our sin back to you whenever the occasion arises. I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Human good versus divine good. First of all, let's take a look at human good. Human good is any production performed while there is unconfessed sin in the life of a believer or or that production performed by a believer not motivated by Bible doctrine. All production performed by an unbeliever is human good. An unbeliever cannot perform divine good. Human good is a product of a believer's old sin nature and more often than not Human good comes from the believer, or I should say, the believer's area of strength. An ascetic is more likely to produce human good than an antinomian. We have a chart on our website. Uh, where we have a triangle with the area of weakness entitled the area of weakness with personal sin at the top. What I'd like to call, since we had a good baseball game, personal sin second base. And it's just like the diamond that we saw on television. And at first base, we have the antinomian trend. And then at home plate, we have the area of strength. And at third base, we have the ascetic trend. 
Ask me, let me review that again. First of all, the chart is called the Old Sin Nature Chart. At home base, we have area of strength, which is human good. First base, we have the antinomian trend, which is things done in the flesh. Second base, we have the area of weakness, which is personal sin. And of course, that's the second base. And over there at third base, we have the ascetic trend. That's things done in the flesh, which is human good. So uh, we'll be referring to this sometime. But uh, it's uh, very helpful to know the old sin nature chart and the various areas of weakness and strength, asceticism and antinomianism. All right, let's go to point two now. The over-manifestations of human good may appear to be very legitimate. For example, tithing, becoming a missionary, witnessing to somebody, and all sorts of social benevolence. And there is also political activism, or also volunteer work, at the hospital, for example, or other places. Now let's look at point 2.1 in our lesson plan. Clearly, all of the above examples might indeed be divine good. It all depends on the motivation of the believer. If a believer witnesses because he or she thinks the recipient of the witness is going to hell, if he or she does not witness, the act becomes human good. Now, if, however, the witnessing is done because of the Bible, that is, the Bible says, do it. The act becomes divine good. Human good is dead to God's plan and is called in Scripture, dead works. For example, Hebrews 9.14. How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God. Purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. Human good is never acceptable to God. Human good is also said to be filthy rags in the eyes of the Lord. So said in Isaiah 64, 6, 
But we are all as an unclean thing, and all our righteousnesses are as filthy rags, and we all do fade as a leaf, and our impurities, like the wind, have been taken away. Or he, God, takes us away. Human good is often moral conduct. I'll say that again. Human good is also often moral conduct and important in the proper functioning of a national entity. Morality, in many cases, may be human good, but useful in the proper functioning of society. Let me read you Romans chapter 13, verses 1 through 7. Let every soul be subject unto the higher powers, for there is no power but of God. The powers that be are ordained of God. Whoever therefore resisteth the power resisteth the ordinance of God and they that resist shall receive to themselves damnation. For our rulers are not a terror to good works but to the evil. Wilt thou then not be afraid of the power? Do that, do that which is good, and thou shalt have praise of the same. For he is the minister of God to thee for good. But if thou do that which is evil, be afraid. For he beareth not the sword in vain. For he is the minister of God, a revenger to execute wrath upon him that doeth evil. Now verse 5 says, Wherefore ye must needs be subject, not only for wrath, but also for conscience sake. For this cause pay tribute also, for they are God's ministers attending continually upon this very thing. Render therefore to all their dues tribute to whom tribute is due, custom and whom custom Fear to whom fear, honor to whom honor. An unbeliever, for example, who is an establishment man, is a valuable asset to the country, the nation, although his works may in fact be just human good that will later indict him at the end of the millennium. 
the judgment of all unbelievers at the end of Christ's excuse me at the end of Christ's reign is called the great white throne for more details See Romans 20, verses 1 through 11, and the following chart entitled, Order of the Resurrection. All right, David, you want to take over from here? I'll do it. Revelation 20, verse 11 through 15. And I saw a great white throne, and him that sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, and the books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books, according to their works. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them. And they were judged every man according to their works. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. And then below is where we have the uh, order of the resurrection, which... Uh, of course, like I mentioned when we started, you can see if you pull up the outline, which should be attached uh, to the podcast, but it starts with ages and you know, it starts with Gentile and Israel and hypostatic union. And, uh, if you're interested, please take a look at the outline. Moving on, human good cannot save mankind. Titus 3.5, not by works of righteousness, which we have done. But according to his mercy, he saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Romans chapter 4, verse 4 through 8. Now to him that worketh is the reward, not reckoned of grace, but of debt. But to him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. Let's let's read that again. But to him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly, His faith is counted for righteousness. Even as David also describeth the blessedness of the man unto whom God imputeth righteousness without works, saying, Blessed are they whose iniquities are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord will not impute sin. All human good and divine good performed by a believer will be revealed at the Bema. Divine good is rewarded and human good will be burned. And boy, I know I have a lot of it. 
Better stand back when that fire starts. Oh, well. <laughs> First Corinthians chapter 3, verse 11 through 15. For other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if any man build upon this foundation gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble, every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire, and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. If any man's work abide, which he hath built thereupon, he shall receive a reward." If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire. Human good is the basis for the unbeliever's indictment at the last judgment. Another chart, starting with Adam. Point 10. At the great white throne, sins are not mentioned because of the unlimited atonement for all sins at the cross. 1 John 2.2, 2. and he is a propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. And another chart. I'm going to get you to open that outline sooner or later, aren't I? And unless I chart you at the X category, then the Y category, and the Z category. And I'm going to let you find it yourself to learn something more like we're trying to impute to you. Human good can only produce boasting. Human good was not judged at the cross, but rejected. The human good produced by the unbeliever will become evidence against him at the great right throne. Since Christ was perfect, he performed no human good. One thing mankind did not need in the perfect environment of the garden was the knowledge of good and evil. It was at the fall where human good became an issue. Certainly, Eve thought she could help God. The first act of human good ultimately led to the condemnation of the entire human race. Adam parlayed Eve's human good into the first sin. Genesis 2, verse 16 and 17. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil Thou shalt not eat of it, for in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou surely die. Romans 5.12 Wherefore, as by one man's sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. Perfect environment has been the goal of, of the natural and carnal man ever since the fall. Even when such perfection exists, a spiritually unregulated man cannot handle it. Examples, the Garden of Eden, the perfect environment of the millennium. Point 16, G, take her away. Before we begin our study of divine good, I want to provide a dispensation chart which shows the church age as an intercalation or an insertion 
between two Jewish ages. You can again, as David has told you, see that on our, our well, what do, you, what do you call it, David? The outline? The outline, yeah. Where is it? Here? Mm-hmm. And there it is on this chart as well as on the website. And I'm going to start with 15.1 with some examples. All right, the Garden of Eden, the perfect environment of the millennium. Perfect environment has been the goal of the natural and carnal man ever since the fall. Even when such perfection exists, a spiritually unregulated man cannot handle it. So before we begin our study of divine good, I want to provide a dispensation chart which shows the church age as an intercession and intercalation between two Jewish ages, the kingdom age and the tribulation. As we move to our study of divine good, keep in mind the Bema or Bema or judgment seat of Christ takes place just before the rapture. That's my opinion. I really can't find a place that tells you when it takes place, but it has to come very close to the rapture of the church and the great white throne occurs at the end of the millennium. In other words, we have a kingdom, which is a Jewish age. We have a tribulation, which is a Jewish age. And we have a millennium, which is Christ's age. And then we have tribulation divided up into two sub-ages. And uh, we have, of course, the kingdom, which is Christ's age, when he comes to rule in perfection. And there is an insertion of the church age in between, as I noted, two Jewish ages, and they are the kingdom age, and the tribulation. And then the rapture takes place, and that begins, if you will, the tribulation followed by the millennium. So I think we pretty well covered much of what we want to cover in that particular age and are ready for the divine good. And that's where production acceptable to God can be found. Divine good is often described in the scripture by the words, good works. In most cases, the word for works is the noun, ergon preceded by the adjective agathos, which is 
noble, and honorable. Matthew 5, 16. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. John 10, 12. Jesus answered them, Many good works have I showed you from my Father to which of those works do you stone me? John 10.32 Acts 9.36 Now there was at Joppa a certain disciple named Tabitha which by interpretation is called Darkus. This woman was full of good works and alms deeds which she did. Ephesians 2.10 For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. 1 Timothy 2.10 But which become of women professing godliness with good works. Hebrews 10.24 And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works. 1 Peter 2.12 having your conversation honest among the Gentiles that whereas they speak against you as evildoers, they may by your good works which they shall behold glorify God in the day of, of his visitation. Technically speaking, Divine good is any production of a believer done while filled with the Spirit. That means having named your sin back to God and is motivated by Bible doctrine in your soul. One reason for Scripture, according to 2 Timothy 3.17 is the production of divine good. 2 Timothy 3.16 says, as an introduction to 17, of course, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. In 2 Timothy 3.17, the words translated good works are agathos ergon, noble and honorable work, 
Ergon, of course, is a word for work in the English. Now let's see what James has to say. James in James 1.25, by way of expanded translation, tells us that works acceptable to God come from the consistent intake of the word that the believer who consistently takes in the word becomes a doer of divine good and as a doer he is happy in his production. All right, David, how about taking over? All right, point five toward the top of page seven. God's grace apparatus or perception is designed for the production of divine good. The source of divine good is Bible doctrine. James chapter 1 verses 19 through 24. Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. For the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. Wherefore, lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness, and receive with meekness the engrafted word, which is able to save your souls. But be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. For if any be a hearer of the word, and not a doer, He is like unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass. For he beholdeth himself, and goeth his way, and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 3 through 6. We gave thanks to God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you. Since we heard of your faith in Jesus Christ, and of the love which he hath to all the saints, for the hope which is laid upon for you in heaven, whereof ye heard before in the word of the truth of the gospel, which is come unto you, as it is in all the world, and bringeth forth fruit, as it doth also in you, since the day ye heard of it, and knew the grace of God in truth. Isaiah Isaiah 55, verse 9 through 11. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain cometh down, and the snow from heaven, and returneth not thither, but watereth the the earth, and maketh it bring forth in bud, that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater. So shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please. And it shall prosper in the thing whereto I sent it. Second Timothy three sixteen and 17 again. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, 
rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Second Peter chapter 1, verse 3 and 4. According to his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness, through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these ye may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. In Romans chapter, excuse me, <clears throat> in Romans chapter 12, verse 21, Paul indicates divine good is a means of overcoming evil thinking. Remember, sin was judged on the cross, but evil was not judged. Evil is still an issue in the angelic conflict. Romans 12, 21, for example, says, Be not overcome by evil, but overcome evil with divine good. In fact, we are left in time for the purpose of performing divine good. That is to say, to cycle doctrine in the soul in order to produce divine good. A believer's Divine good was decreed in eternity past in order that it might be displayed in time. Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Divine good will be rewarded at the Bema or Bema. 1 Corinthians 3, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15. It can be pronounced Bema or Bema, but nonetheless, it's the reward seat of Christ. 1 Corinthians 3, 11, reading through verse 15, gives us a good description of the Bema. Verse 11, and I shall read through verse 15. For other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now if any man build upon this foundation gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble, Every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire, and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. If any man's work abide, which he hath built thereon, he shall receive a reward. If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire. So at the Bema, which takes place sometime after the uh, 
We're not real sure exactly when the Bema shall occur, but we'll all appear before uh, the Bema, and our work shall be judged. I used to teach when I was teaching full-time. It's kind of like Christmas. All your works are cast into a fire. And if it's burned up, it's human good. And if it's not, it's rewarded. And that's divine good. Divine good is the direct result of doctrine being resident in the soul of the believer, whereby faith, doctrine taught by the Holy Spirit, is believed and becomes what we call epinosis. A natural product of this occurrence is the production of divine good. The manifestation of divine good is part of the protocol plan of God, something we call on the website PPG, our Operation Z chart, and the mathematical equation faith plus human good equal spiritual IQ, intake and metabolization of doctrine equals the protocol plan of God, perhaps best described this grace phenomena in chart form. And you can see the chart. Uh, Operation Z, where doctrine equals the Holy Spirit being perspicuous to the human spirit. In other words, being made perspicuous to the human spirit. And by faith, because it is believed, it becomes what we call epinosis. And that can be said to be faith plus human good equals a spiritual IQ plus Operation Z, which can be seen on the chart, the Protocol Plan of God, PPG. All right, David, take her home. Thank you for being here today. Again, we always look forward to having you here. Uh, hope you're all doing well as we start getting ready for this holiday season. Uh, if there's anyone within the sound of our voice without Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, get yourself an early gift, a free one, okay? A gift of life. It's free and it's available. Just believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Pastor Merritt, could you close us? Father, we are grateful for the privilege of being able to distinguish between human good and uh, divine good. So we would ask that you would, because of your faith alone in Christ alone, perform that which God would have for you to perform. We don't know what that is, nor is it any of our business. It's just between you and God. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Until next time. So long.